Hey, hey, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old muck of Venus. We're back together, son. How are you? Hey, Bully, great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. This podcast is sponsored by not Maggie T, it's Maggie W. To be more like Maggie, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and become an official sponsor today. Right, the dream team is back for one final time. It's uh, It's been eventful at times. It's been boring at times. Um, but overall, I have thoroughly enjoyed my time spent with Dan. Dan, how are you? Very well, thank you. All the better that my plan has come together and uh, I've kicked out the third wheel in this relationship. Yeah, this... This beef that's been going on between you and Tom um, has culminated in you actually doing a Brookside on him. And he's now uh, no longer living um, and buried underneath your patio. In Bedford. Um, you know, uh, his, I gave open, well, then Reach, is it a call? And said, can you take his Wi-Fi down? And they have. So he should just run to his local Starbucks or somewhere else where he gets free Wi-Fi and be there, shouldn't he? Oh God, he's not even here, and there's still that like yeah. tone of anger towards him. It's just, it's fine. It's fine. There's no beef. There's no beef. But did I, I did say to you privately, my one friend came around the other day, and he said this, this could be a lie because he said he has another friend, which I don't think is actually true. But he's like, yeah, my, my mate actually thinks you got real beef with Tom, haven't you? I'm like, well, I don't. But it's like, yeah, he's like, you do. I'm like, all right, yeah, I do. Yeah, I hate the bloke. So you know, just oh, yeah. I've said it. Um, but that was more for like creative license and just to make it, I say, ham it up rather than the actual truth, which is this beef is just, you know, it's... Oh, that's ingenious, Dan. Absolutely yeah. ingenious. You've done what like boxers do where they just like... WWE, I think, fake is more... beef. Yeah, oh, wrestling. Okay. Anyway, so it's a really bad start. Uh, now, all of you listening to this episode won't feel any different. Uh, but it feels very different to me and Dan because we're actually recording this live. We've invited our lovely patrons to watch online to see how bad we really are at this podcast shit because, I mean, we couldn't have planned it any better, really. We can't even get everyone here, so <laughs> that's how bad we are. I don't know the subtle right, dig. so <laughs> welcome to everyone that's listening to this live um welcome back to you dan and also to everyone who's joined us over these lines specials this is the final one so we'll try not to disappoint but that might be fitting joe what's fit what, what's fitting disappointment us disappointing might follow on the theme of the apparent you know feedback from the lines just saying 
Here we go. Let's get into some rugby. Dan, you predicted a South Africa win. It is the first time you've been right all series. So I would like to give you a very warm, patronising clap. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy for the victory, but also sad because it wasn't the the moral victory that we really wanted. Do you actually watch this game, didn't you, Joe? Thank you, Dan. I did. It was uh, the first game I've watched all the way through. I watched pre and post and my wife despised me for it because we actually had three of the four kids babysat. They were at their auntie uncle's house and days I thought, I don't know, maybe she thought she was going to get lucky or something. But instead, she got lucky by watching three hours worth of Lions footage and it was still pretty shit if I'm honest Dan I've got a stat here it was only 26 minutes and 22 seconds ball in play time 26 minutes ball in play they're fucking taking a piss the first test which was shit house, but you could explain it because rustiness first time the deal etc was 30 minutes 45 seconds and the second test which everyone seems to have said is the worst game of rugby in history um lasted 30 minutes and 29 seconds ball in play so was the last test really much better or so was combined it just we got Russell... pretty much 80 minutes of rugby Hang on, let, let me work that one out. 30, you, you played more than that in the in that game you last played, didn't you, Joe? Yes, Dad. We're looking at 86 minutes and 22 seconds approximately. Yeah, that's not a great deal uh, of rugby for three test matches, is it? Considering the average like ball in play in even the premierships up at around 40 minutes, isn't it, I think? So, yeah, there wasn't a great deal of rugby played, but I think that probably is what this African team wanted, considering their strengths. I will say some of the opening exchanges, the physicality of the game was, I mean, immense. I'm going to see. I'm going to say it. It's a bit of an overused word, but one of my favourite ones was um, seeing Cannonball Ken. He took the ball off nine, and he, you could see he's going to make a difference. He ran head down in South African line, and I think Visa and somebody else hit him, and it was just. We've all done it. You know, when you get smoked, it literally ends up being like the long place drill where you're like, <laughs> you have a negative carry, but you're like, yep, the ball's pre- presented presented the ball. It's available. That's yeah, a good carry. And it was just like that. And I just thought like that moment, like two minutes in. Yeah. Right. Well, because we've enjoyed your technical insight into scrums, rucks and malls in particular on this pod, for one last time... Can you explain exactly what Tom Curry was doing breaking off? Why did he do that, do you think? No, I can't explain why he broke off. I don't... uh, I can... (laughs) If he did break off, you just... I think because they had momentum going, he thought he'd just help plough a thing to the line. But I'm guessing, like, if you let go of a maul, just rejoin at the back. Just rejoin at the back, Tom. That's all I can say. But he didn't, and the referee, to be honest, the referee picked up on it, which is, you see a lot of those kind of things, they don't get spotted, but the referee, he spotted that one and penalised it. Interestingly, obviously you listen to the commentary on referees, I did enjoy the bit where Nigel Owens, at the end of the game, basically said, now, he's refereed some games, and he doesn't want the referee to make the decision in the end, so it's best to make no decision than 
penalty. Yes, season. it was a it was a, a like a messy ruck that yeah, he then it was a, gave. It was definitely like, it a wasn't penalty a messy to Safford was, at that point. It was, it was definitely, a definite penalty. Definitely. And it, yeah, and it came and to a he's scrub. He's like, oh, unplayable scrub. And Nigel's just gone, yeah, at this point in the game, the referee just doesn't want to, you know, give a penalty either way. It's like, that's his no, job, I isn't it? His, yes, I know it's his job, but I admire Nigel's honesty there because that's clearly what we all know that referees do at the end. But we've never heard any, any one of them, former or current, actually openly admit that they're too scared to give away any real calls at the end of games because they don't want the game decided by them, except they're happy to have the game decided by them for the previous 79 minutes where you've given away dodgy calls. Yeah. Just wait for the Premiership this year. If any referees listen to this, refereeing us, and we're on the field (laughs) the last minute of the game. (laughs) I'm scared to make a call, am I, Joe? <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> That's ten as well, mate. Oh, and now they're in front of the sticks, and now yeah, screw you. So we've stuffed ourselves. But yeah, I did enjoy that. He was it definitely like a rush of blood to the head. All he kept thinking about there and then was, oh, I really want to go to a cat calf with Coley. He's my idol. I love him. Do you remember when he had you and him as his background, as his wallpaper for his phone for like six months? Yeah, he sent me. A screenshot of it, probably a year ago. I was like, <laughs> "Thank you." Um, yeah, yeah, no, he'll be guided about that one. He will, but that wasn't the. Like I say it comes down. There's plenty of moments in the game. I think you know, for the Lions, you're probably frustrated because ultimately, you could say they lost the game. South Africa didn't win the game. I mean, the Lions had you know all those like the two on one with Liam Williams and. Um, the five meter scrum, the two, there's a line out stolen that more penalty. Like, you know, it's one of those games that you look back on and probably the players, or they should have great pride in, you know, how they um, took the world champions to, you know, as close as they did. There'll probably be frustration because they had those so many opportunities and they couldn't take them. Is it worse? Liam Williams butchering that try. Um, is that one worse or is. Fiji versus England at Twickenham in 2012 in the autumn when there was a five on one and a certain loose head got the ball and lobbed it to in Rosehead, was it? In the stands? What happened there? You did. Or was that. that you? No, I think it was you. No, I got held up over the line, but I actually got over the yeah. line. I just got, just got so excited. I'd never been there before. Um, are, you the, are you the most prolific try scoring prop in English history? Joint. I'm joint with oh. apparently a man who was actually Australian. And how many tries is it? Four. All from a grand total of ten yards. <laughs> I'm not laughing at I'm laughing at the way you went four um it could have been five I got held by the line tonight, Fiji um and the best part was I think out of those four two of which came when the opposition tackled the wrong person 
<laughs> I remember that French run against when Mako should have got the ball and somehow you got the ball and they were like, well, we're definitely double tackling Mako here because no one's passing the ball to Coley. He gets axed and you just roll over the line. Yeah, he lost his like MCL that day and I they pretty much <laughs> acted his knee and I just I scored, yeah. And the other time against Australia, um, Robbo actually, he came around the corner, this great line, he got absolutely melted and I was about 10 minutes behind him and the hole just opened up because I was that slow that basically they tackled the wrong bloke and then scored. Anyway, there's there's, there's something else happened in this past Welcome, Tom. Ranting. Finally. Hello, my lovers. What is going on here? <laughs> what is going on, mate? What, what, what? So I've, after 45 minutes of my Wi-Fi failing to work, I've taken the executive decision to go to Dermot and Claire's next door. <laughs> and <laughs> so I've, I've knocked on the door of Dermot and Claire's. I'm in their attic. Not their Wi-Fi. Fuck's sake. <laughs> so have you done all the rubbish chat, boys? Do I need to just pile in with the fun stuff? Uh, pardon? Was there any fun stuff watching that game? I'm not sure there was. <laughs> we've discussed loads of... We've been roaring in laughter here. It's been really good. Um, oh, I like what you did. Roaring yeah. with laughter. Any technical elements that you want my input on? Uh, any of those scrum penalties? Or Yeah, what you say... Okay, okay, Dan, we haven't actually touched on a couple of scrum penalties. That scrum pen... Um, South Africa's five metre line after Mako's been held up. Yeah. Yeah. Sinks. Come on, talk me through. That's a big, big moment. It was. It was a bit pernickety, if I'm honest, because it's like normally you go five metres out, attacking team, ball's playable. You just, if you get hoofed in that position, like, you know, you're rattling backwards, penalise them. But when it's, I think there's been a couple of resets, the ball's playable, just play on. Like, you know, just let the ball play. Um, but it was a bit pernickety and, you know, technically, yes, it's the right call, but in the scheme of the game, just let the, let the boys play as the Americans say. It, it goes back to Nigel saying, you know, the referee doesn't want to be the one to affect the outcome of the game. And yet that's exactly an example of him doing that. He should have, for loads of the other scrums during the game, the ball was at the back and he was like, yeah, just play it out. And there could have been penalty offences. Like, there could be a penalty offence at every single fucking scrum. But it just, I was like, oh, mate. It was the Lions ball as well. I could understand it even if it was the South African ball that oh, sinks on his knee and stuff like that. I just thought, nah, nah. And that that made me think that I should have strangled him a little bit harder uh, when I jumped him from behind in that <laughs> random... Uh, museum type place in Japan what was it what was it called Team Planet what was it what was that place we went to yes oh yes it was um, Team Labs wasn't it Some, like, Team Labs and Team was Labs and it was this incredible interactive arts museum and I saw uh, Roman Poit and Matteo Reynal walking by with their families and I was like oh. and then spotted me with Daisy and the baby and I was like right and it got a bit darker in a corner and uh, I jumped up <laughs> behind Roman Poit grabbed him around the throat and stuck my thumb in his back and was like give me all your money motherfucker and he was like didn't like even flinch you know like he's got that sort <laughs> of old bent copper sort of look about him where he's just like hey motherfucker don't you know what do you want he's turned around and just been like ah uh, Joe my old friend how are you doing but Macho Renau absolutely shit his pants 
he didn't know what was going on. <laughs> he was like loaded, ready to go. I was like, yeah, we'll fucking go some. Um, I should have definitely strangled him harder there. Anyway, I don't know how we got onto that. Can I just ask, well, you might have discussed this already. Did we enjoy the way that South African host broadcasters were unable, unfortunately, to find any TV angles to show that Jasper Visa had uh, yeah. <laughs> charged without his arms into it? It was really unfortunate. They just couldn't find him, could they? They just had ones from the other side. They couldn't find the ones from behind the post they had earlier or the other ones. What are you suggesting, side. Tom? Oh. It's just unlucky. It's really unlucky. <laughs> a point in a critical test match. Conspiracy. I like it. He was thrown out there. I'm doing a Razzie. I'm not saying he's a cheat. I'm implying he's a cheat. I'm not actually spelling it out that he's a cheat. Come on, Joe. That's not bad. It's fucking you do a dreadful, mate. Like, you sound like... <laughs> Let's see yours. You sound like DiCaprio in Blood Diamond, and he was bad. Oh, yeah. My name is Wasn't Denny Archer. T-I-A-H-E-R. No, fuck, that doesn't spill Archer. <laughs> You're in meltdown, aren't you? Um, it's all these people that are watching, mate. I've had a long day. Even though it's the same length as yesterday, it's been tough on me. And I've had very, I've had several missed calls from senior people at work asking why I haven't returned today. And I haven't picked up and I don't know what to tell them. So that's probably why I'm more stressed, Dan. Uh, right, here we go. Um, oh, look at my notes. Finn Russell getting a bit of stick for smiling at the end. Did you see that bit, Dan and Tom? I didn't see him smile, Joe, um, as I switched off after the final whistle. But oh, if he smiles, it's uh, somebody will find fault in whatever your actions are afterwards, won't they, Joe? Similar to the World yeah, Cup the final when some the- of us took our medals off because we were really upset and didn't think we'd do ourselves justice and didn't deserve that position. We got slated for being bad sportsmen. So someone's going to pick you apart for whatever you do. Oh, wow. I didn't think it would turn like that. It's I, taken I, I two years thought- for me to get that off my chest, and I have. <laughs> and I'm in a better spot <laughs> no, right now. good. Thank you. I'm glad, Thank you I'm glad that we have provided a safe space for you to vent and... Uh, process anything that you want to pro because that's ultimately what we're here for as well as um taking the piss out of it and that really ruined my sort of half joke that of the notes that i'd made i put finn russell slated for smiling at the end dot 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 you don't smile much dan what are your thoughts on people smiling hate seeing it don't like smiling full stop as one famous coach i can't say I can't say his name, but he coached us about 10 years ago and then had a successful career north of the border. But we were coming out for training one day and one of the blokes was smiling. And he looks at him, he's like, why are you smiling? Smiling's for losers! (laughs) It was just like, (laughs) right, (laughs) we're getting thrashed today, aren't we? He's like, yeah, brilliant. So... so, (laughs) Um, we then got flogged in that You're not naming any names, but is it someone who's potentially going to, you know, be wearing a a red rose on his chest soon as as a coach of a a name that we... Apparently, yeah. He's, you know, short and bald and sometimes angry, sometimes very nice man. That's all I can say. And he's got two, he's got two nicknames for a penis in his name if you shorten his first name. Oh, good. Wow. Nice. We are so fucking cryptic on here. This is where the <laughs> money's at. 
<laughs> oh, I've got one. Sorry, I've got one final rugby question. As Tom, here we go. Are, the fucking yeah, no, rugby Tom, doors. As as Tom is writing a book with this person, how and you've spent a lot of time with him. Were you upset when you saw Alan Wynn choke up and and cry, or at the end of sort of not cry, but you know he got emotional and overly emotional is how yeah. I think he said. What what were your yeah. in depth thoughts on that situation? Well, unfortunately, I missed that part of the TV broadcast because my children were so upset at the full-time whistle, bearing in mind that one of them had got a lion's kit for his birthday the week before and was wearing it, that I'd, I was forced to switch channels to the Community Shield to prevent my own children crying. So I was only told about <laughs> the reaction of Alan Wynn to Sarah Elgin's <laughs> questions on WhatsApp by multiple friends. So <laughs> I've watched it subsequently and... I would say, to be slightly serious for a second, Alan Wynn is a sort of strange contradiction in that he, well, you know, you both know him, in that he can be super serious and straight-laced and he's quite shy, but he is really emotional underneath it all. It just comes out very occasionally. It comes out during the Welsh National Anthem. And I think when I spoke to him yesterday, and I don't think I'm breaking any confidences here, he said it was the finality of it when Sarah asked him about this is probably your last Lions test. He said it just hit hit him all of a sudden and out of nowhere. And I think his comeback, he tried, he did so many things in those two and a half weeks between dislocating his shoulder and flying back out to South Africa. He was doing quadruple training sessions that I think there was all this stored up emotion from that as well, the doubt and thinking it was all over. And it just, when she asked him that question, you know, sometimes it just hits you. Emotions just hit you or tears appear from nowhere. I think it was one of those. Thank you. I tell you what, that seemed that actually seemed like A, you two are getting on again. <laughs> and B, we got a real serious, interesting insight into one of the greatest lions ever because we've got his ghostwriter on board here, which is yeah. I was going to really say so much so that... I want to now learn more about this and Alan Wynn and his career and his life. And <laughs> if only there was a book that I could potentially read. Mm. Well, it's it's funny, Dan. You don't have that long to wait because on the 16th of September, Macmillan will be releasing Belonging, the long-awaited autobiography of the most capped player of all time. Who does it belong and to? As, <laughs> it could belong to anyone on this call, Joe. Anyone listening, that book could belong to for a recommended retail price, which will immediately be undercut by uh, Amazon. (laughs) Right, Tom, I need a break, as do all our lovely Patreons watching this shit show live. Everyone go and take five minutes whilst we do some ads. Tom Fordyce, I never would have met you if it hadn't been for we didn't start the fire. Katie Puckrook, I thought I didn't want to learn anymore. I was wrong. And you know why we're learning so much? Oh man, that's a tough one. This is a really interesting story. In 1949, 1950, the communist troops came to my province. Because this is the best history podcast you've ever listened to in your entire life? What? What? They shot him live in front of the whole village. My mouth is just hanging open. I can't believe this. And yes, it's sort of based on Billy Joel's song, but it's a history podcast. It tells us all the reasons why the world today is as it is, but it's more. I killed a cactus. <laughs> 
recently. My connection to Marilyn. Richard Nixon. The H-bomb was so much more powerful. If there was a movie, it was just Brando's face. I'd put it on in the background all day, I'd be perfectly happy. Search for We Didn't Start the Fire. We'll wait for you. Shrink the Box is back for a brand new season. This is the podcast where we put our favorite fictional TV characters into therapy. Join me, Ben Bailey-Smith, and our brand new psychotherapist, Namone Metaxas. Hi, Ben. Yes, this season we're going to be putting the likes of Tommy from Peaky Blinders, Cersei from Game of Thrones on the couch to learn why their behavior creates so much drama. So make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes as soon as they land on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment original podcast. Right, Joe, it's time to thank our lovely patrons, the official sponsors of the Joe Marler Show. So Sally can wait, she knows it's too late. It's Sally Wenham. Is he Dutch? Is he German? Is he from Surrey? It's Niels Fun. Hinton Reed. He sounds like a bird. It's John Sheldrake. Blacko or Blaco, we don't know. It's Claire Blaco or Blacko. Joshua Cake Batter Batterton. Jim Wood. Would you? And Darren the Dazzler Greenfield. To be more like Sally, Niels, John, Claire, Joshua, Jim and Darren, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and grow the show. Lovely. Those were the ads. Let's get back to some lions chat. Joe and Dan, I've often wondered what happens when the final whistle goes in the third Lions test. Does everyone shake hands and retire to bed early or do people perhaps enjoy a few beverages? What happens is I think there's normally, or I don't know about this notoriously, you kind of have a few beers in the changing room. Sometimes the opposition come in, you have a mingle, you then carry on drinking, you put your suit on, you go to a function after the game um, mm. where you carry on drinking there. I mean, me and Joe in New Zealand we came across Brody Retallick, didn't we? Who you oh just called? What did you call him? No, we was <laughs> we were. It was that event. It was the joint event function where both teams went, but also the England women's team and the New Zealand women's team went as well, didn't they? Because they'd been over there on tour, and it was a joint thing. And I remember it was quite dark thing, and all I could hear was John. <laughs> John! I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> John! <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? And then through the shadows, uh, it was Brody Retallick just stood there giggling like Beavis from Beavis and Butthead. Like, oh, 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 oh. I was like, who the fuck are you calling John, mate? And he went, oh, mate, you know. Uh, I was like, no, it's Joe's. Like, yeah, mate, that's the joke. Because I'd called him Brian what? in a game once. This is so bad. I called him Bri- kept calling him Brian uh, in a game because in 2014, he'd done a press conference saying he thought Michael Laws was a really good player mm. and he was really looking forward to coming up against him. And I, you could go at the time, you thought, oh, this is a wind-up, a little bit like what Sam Burgess did with Scott Williams in the World Cup. Like, who's Scott Williams? I don't know. Uh, but getting to know Brody Vitalik a little bit more, he genuinely had no fucking idea that Courtney Laws was called Courtney Laws. He thought he was Michael Laws because 
the humble Kiwis aren't particularly humble. <laughs> they don't watch any fucking Northern Hemisphere shit. And I don't blame them if the Lions South Africa series is anything to go by, to be honest. Uh, but he, he was calling it. So that was the joke. But it was just how hard. I can't remember who he stood with. But I, cu- I couldn't believe how hard he was giggling at shouting John instead of Joe in a dark room. <laughs> And just like laughing, <laughs> it was ridiculous. But yeah, that was that was the after match function, wasn't it? With um, yeah, and then you with go the after, yeah. So you do that. You carry and drink there. You then go to. Do we go to a bar or a club? I think there's like normally put a pipe. Obviously, it's all going to be different to COVID. But you probably go back to your hotel, keep drinking, and then so you start drinking the final whistle, and you finish drinking on about Wednesday when you get home. <laughs> the thing is it's the midweek veg have obviously you know been quite prepped particularly in the last week 10 days um leading up to the last test we've been well lubricated the entire time so it's just kind of just carrying on until the end to, to getting home but there's a fair amount of test team boys that haven't gone quite as hard that do need to let some steam off that want to enjoy themselves now because they've actually been serious and professional and concentrating on the rugby as opposed to what the veg have been doing um so they're itching to get out there on the piss and let loose and there was a couple in 2017 that were like mate do you remember sink he went so hard so early that he didn't make it out the court session um, <laughs> he had passed out in the court session. The boys just couldn't believe how hard he'd went. He's great energy for all of half hour before jump gone. He's hit the floor. But so one of the, one of the quirks of lions is I think for insurance purposes they have to check that you haven't picked anything up like injury wise. So the game finishes on the Saturday, but you have to wait an extra like 48 hours or 72 hours, don't you? Normally you fly home. If you're with England, it's like you fly home pretty much the next day. Whereas Lions, you're there for like 48, 72 hours before you're released. So you do your medical check-in like on the so Sunday. And it's like, are you fine? Yeah, I'm fine. Right, off you go then. You just have to wait another 48 hours, make sure you're properly fine. And then, so all you can do, you do a bit of sightseeing, but mainly just drink in that period of time. Enjoy yourself. What about so so if there is some plain drinking involved, plain drinking is can be quite difficult, can't it? So there are people who let's say you've been drinking during the day and then you turn up at an airport and suddenly the lights seem very bright and it's very sterile and it can just make you want to stop drinking. Or there are those who get to the airport and just seamlessly find the bar at the airport and then stroll onto the plane and carry on regardless once aboard. Oh, back in twenty. Oh, what about uh, back? Just thinking back to twenty seventeen, and who was? Uh, I think it was Reese Webb. Reese Webb was was the sort oh, of yes. liability going around the plane yeah. where we'd all he gone got off to the plane town. in Dubai, didn't he? That was it. A lot of a few of the yes. boys were deliberately. Changed. Yeah, a lot of boys going on holiday <laughs> or going away from. Oh, sorry, yeah, but like he got for playing Dubai to interconnecting flight, and basically on the flight to Dubai, he was drinking and saying, "Oh well, lads, you know, trying to get some crack going. Are you all boring? This is this." And I think post on the WhatsApp group. Then literally about our connecting flight. About two hours later, we got on a flight and just got all these messages saying, "I'm so sorry, guys. 
sorry, like from him <laughs> apologising for spraying him on the flight. I remember him going up to Howlers, um, Rob Howley, and being like, because before going up to him, he'd been going, doing the rounds and telling him, hey boys, I should have fucking started. If I had a fucking started, I'd have fucking, we'd have won this series. We'd have won the fucking series. If it wasn't for you fucking Howlers, where's Howlers? Fuck it. And everyone was like, keep him away. Keep him away. And he's gone up to him and said, Howlers, why the fuck didn't you put me on earlier? Why didn't you fucking start me and all that line? It was like, oh, God, this is gold. Absolute gold. Uh, Still doesn't top one of my favourite moments, which was on the way back from New Zealand in 2014. And it was one of the few times in Johnny May's career that he'd actually consumed alcohol <laughs> Dan were you there when he consumed quite a lot of alcohol in 2015 or were you getting your neck done in um, Italy I was on the 2014 away. flight no I yeah, missed that as well when he broke the toilet ironically uh, yeah he, he had a few too many red wines and he ended up completely destroying the toilet because he's locked him in one I mean oh my god talking of destroying toilets have you just broken your Japanese toilet in your caravan no I just I just flicked this up from my what is that sorry what is that it's uh, just a ruler that isn't a ruler (laughs) (laughs) what is that let's have another look it's just a a ruler look how embarrassed he is of his ruler it just connects onto a board and yeah you can use it as like a it's technical drawings and stuff Someone had asked you to show show them your dildo or something, but it's a. You were like, you got so red over a ruler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I fucking hate it. Hurts me. I don't want to tell the Johnny May story. That was that's made it better. Fucking hell. <laughs> anyway, the Johnny May one. He had a few too many on the 2014 flight, and uh, Ben Morgan, uh, number eight at the time, he was fast asleep. Um, and Johnny had a few too many and we were winding him up and we got we persuaded Johnny to go pour a pint of milk over Ben Morgan whilst he was sleeping in business class he, white milk? Uh, it stinks you know it gets all over the place you know really specific with the sort of workplace bullying here and uh, I've never seen a man so angry genuinely I've never seen an angrier man than Ben Morgan running round business class and first class on this fucking flight where is he where the fuck is he and Johnny's literally crawling over the other aisle on like army style like (laughs) and then he gets to like where the air uh, uh, flight attendants are and they're like excuse me sir what are you doing have you seen Uh, where is he where is he and he just carries on going through all down to cattle class and all that lot back up not it was just ridiculous uh, great fun anyway how do we segue out of that let's segue back to back to his I'm going to segue for you Joe by by saying so that's the flight home Joe what about when you get home like seriously I imagine you really want to see your family at the end of a tour Equally, if you've been away for a long time, the home routine has continued adequately in your absence. 
and you get home and it's a bit weird, isn't it, sometimes because they've got a routine and you've got a routine and your routine generally involves walking around naked with a beer. Yeah, no, it is difficult coming home from tour because, as you, as you say, like you've been away for two months or it is, and everyone's got routines and you come in and fuck it up. And it's normally your wife's really happy to see you for about 12 hours and then it just goes to pot because you're like, my washing's not been done. Uh, it's six o'clock. It's tea, tea time. Surely it's breakfast cooked tomorrow. And you're like, and they're just like, no, you're here. I've been looking out. I've had the kids. I've been flat out for eight weeks and you've been doing, you've had, you've had a great time with you. Yeah, I have actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, fuck you. You can go to work now. So that's what you end up happening, basically. Um, There's not a remember- chance. There is not a fucking chance that you had sex for 12 hours. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, last time I came home, it was quite nice. Uh, when I came home from Japan, um, I hadn't seen, obviously, the kids. For, Bell flew out, but the kids stayed with um, the grandmother. And I got to see the kids, and one of my kids ran up to me. And he's like, oh, he was obviously three at the time. He's like, I've got a daddy. I've got new shoes because oh. he's like I've got a daddy and then he's like he also had new shoes and he's like I've got new shoes and he looks at me he's like I've got a daddy I've got new shoes daddy I've got I've got new shoes I've got a daddy I've got new shoes and it was like one moment that stays with you but you're just like yeah yeah but it's in all seriousness that's a really like important perspective giver isn't it you think especially after 2019 and you go we had such a whirlwind time in this massive bubble and then the world comes crashing down. We've completely fucked it. And then we get you get home and it means nothing, essentially, because yeah. what does what is important is that one of your boys has turned around and said, I've got no shoes. As long as it's your wife who's bought him the shoes, he's not some... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It also, um, it, it not in all seriousness, but... Seriously, after 2019, I, I, I was, I struggled big. I struggled big. Um, I properly troughed it, and it was a combination of I'd, I thought because I'd had such an amazing time, um, I thought I was kind of fixed with sort of my sort of mental issues and weaknesses and problems that I'd had. So I just jacked in the meds straight away. Thought, yeah, fuck it, I feel great. Yeah, let's go. They fixed me. I've I've been fixed. I'm done, and that was then part of the trough. The other part is the daily routine that we're given. We're we're told where to be, what to wear, who to be with every day for two or three months, and also the 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 lads, Coley, not not waking up, and the first thing I hear or see is Coley destroying a toilet you know not knowing how to respond to you know having a a lovely beautiful woman feeling that way about me and it was just yeah it took a while to get used to not having that routine and then thinking what next and I'm guessing a lot a lot of the Lions boys might struggle because of no closure either like no real sort of debrief or usual country debrief like like we've done before you go uh, Liam Liam Williams for example his debrief of that 
balls up in the in the third test will be how many times it's played over and over on social media montages you know whereas you'd usually have a normal debrief of oh yeah actually you should have given it here but that's not why we'd lost the test you know it's it will be a tough one do you think do you think it's a legitimate tactic you two for the final few days of a tour that when speaking to partners at home to start downplaying the fun you've had and invent some woes you've, you've been doing that since day yeah, one sort of you've been doing that since day <laughs> I always used to kick like when you're training it's not too bad but days off like you've been in England camp or Alliance it's day off and you're going to do something especially if you're on tour with Alliance it's like I mean, being in Sydney, it's like you go to the Sydney, you know, go to the, the bridge in the Opera House, and it's like all this kind of stuff. And they're at home, or with the kids, or you're in New Zealand, it's like, what do you do? We do an escape room today, shall we? Oh yeah. And then you ring home, and it's like, what's happening? It's like, um, well, this, the kids are ill, um, the dogs ran away. What have you been doing today? It's like, dogs got the shit. Yeah, it's like ooh, <laughs> training and meetings, training and me- a lot of meetings, a lot of training. Um, don't don't mention this on social media have you been in an escape room no 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 that was that was the other day don't worry about that and it's just like <laughs> don't you remember so that? the whole tour you've been lying to your missus and it's only when you get home after about two weeks you can kind of explain that yeah I actually had a really good time and it was the best time of life but I'd much prefer to be at home with you and the kids I think we need to finish our lion specials with a couple of awards Joe Marler who is your lions player of the series I thought Courtney was brilliant, to be honest. I thought he was brilliant every time he played, but and also in that third test. Maz was really good. I thought Marrow was really good in the the first test when he got all those turnovers, and he has been very good the entire thing, and he's been given the man of the series. But I don't know, Courtney, who else went well? Who else went well for you, Coley? Those are the major two. I think if you look at like man of the series, you want or player of the series you want someone who's played in all three games obviously probably had major contributions in those games which limits you down to the second rows the back row um, I don't think the backs they've been rotated they didn't sparkle so yeah I think you look at say Courtney's contribution I mean even in the third test the line breaks and the offloads I think Courtney you know, especially that they had a purple patch in the first in what about 20 minutes in the lines where they were carrying that was like Courtney's carrying Courtney getting on top so I would agree I think you know I think he had an outstanding series and so it was him or Maz I mean Marrow will get there he makes probably all the highlight plays but I think if you look at the consistency of you know application Courtney was definitely up there do you know what it's, once you start narrowing it down to players who played all three tests it obviously knocks quite a few contenders out of the equation, doesn't it? Um, and I think it probably does come down to Courtney or Marrow um, or the captain. And I think I agree that Marrow will get all the headlines, but I like your arguments for Courtney. I really do. I don't, of the other sort of all ever presence, I probably wouldn't give it to Jack Conan. That's not unfair. I thought Tom Curry had some great moments, but wasn't at his absolute best. There was a couple of key penalties. First test, third test... Robbie Henshaw, best of the centre options, but not outstanding. So I think I like your logic. Right, I've got one final award, and that goes to Razzie Cole. I mean, what an addition you've been to this team, mate. And hopefully it's not going to be the last time that we have you on the Joe Marler Show. So so watch this space, because I've I've thoroughly enjoyed having you on, Dan. 
I actually like you, which is crazy to be working with someone on a podcast that you trust and like. I've not been used to that for a while now. Well, no, thank you, Joe. It's been brilliant. I'll um, I'll keep my diary open for four years' time. And on that slightly awkward uh, note... Has Tom just got... Has Tom's upset? <laughs> he <hasn't> he? <laughs> he's, he's angry there. <laughs> I lost you. I don't know what was said behind my back, you bastards. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening. And the really good news is we will be back on our normal episodes from this Wednesday. We've got an incredible guest, actually, to get you back into it. Joe, can you give our listeners a little sneak preview of the flight attendant episode that is dropping on Wednesday? Yeah, it's someone that attends to flights. <laughs> That's how good it is. We'll have new episodes every Wednesday. Hope you stick around to enjoy them with us. We'll see you soon. Goodbye. Bye. Crowd Network. A place where you belong. Podcast Network.